0: Well, it's uh, exciting to uh, see just as uh, Daryl and Jody, uh, we've walked with them on their journey and see where God is taking them and how we as a community can stand uh, with them in the work of child sponsorship and other things that God is calling them uh, to be a part of. Well, as we uh, have moved through this Christmas season here at Jericho, we've been looking in Isaiah and we've looked at and encountered five aspects of God's character as revealed by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And this, the uh, verse gets a lot of traction at this time of year in Handel's Messiah and on Christmas cards and in various places. And it reads like this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, And the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we've been looking each weekend at a different aspect of the character of God that's revealed to us. And that's going to culminate on Saturday night, on Christmas Eve, up in the Banquet Hall. Uh, where we'll look at Jesus being the Prince of Peace, and we're going to ask and explore together how in the midst of incredible pain and challenge in our world, uh, the needs that Daryl and Jody are going to go and meet in Mexico, and an apartment fire here in our own city at Paddington Station last weekend, and fighting in uh, places like Aleppo in Syria. How in the world can we experience peace In our world. And so we're going to look at that on Saturday evening. But this morning, we're going to ask the question what does it mean in this verse when it says that God is described like an everlasting father? A few years ago, uh, there was a TV show with Canadian born Arndt Linkletter uh, talking about kids say the darndest things. Did you ever watch this TV show? All right, some of you are familiar a little bit with that. And it was cute, it was funny, and all of that stuff. But I was thinking about it this past week, and I thought, you know who in our house says the darndest things? It's not the kids, it's me. (laughs) And I think Linkletter might have actually had a much more interesting show if he titled it Dads Say the Darndest Things. Now, he may not have been able to show it on CBS. There may have been some inappropriate things that dads say. But dads say crazy stuff, don't they? Maybe you've heard yourself if you're a dad say some things. There's actually a word for this. It's called dadisms. When you repeat dadisms out loud to yourself when you are not in the moment, some of them do not make sense. So, I was trying to think this week, what are some of the dadisms? Some of the things that my dad said to me growing up, and I realized, yeah, I actually say some of these things to my kids now. And you probably have your own list, but here's my list of things I remember my dad say to me growing up. So the first one, and maybe see if you might have heard these things or even said them. The first one that was most popular by far was, When I was your age, and then fill in the blank. So this, When I was your age, this was usually paired with musings about how easy kids have it today and how hard it was in the good old days You know, walking uphill to school both ways in the snow, all of that kind of stuff. When I was your age was the first one. The second one, uh, dadism, that I heard a lot growing up was, because I said so. So this didn't really explain anything, but it remained very popular. Incidentally, my wife tells me that I have actually swung to the opposite end of the pendulum, and I explain everything to my children all the time, which now drives them crazy, and sometimes they just wish I would say because I said so. Mm -hmm. The third one was, go ask your mother. So this usually happened when you caught dad in some deeply flawed logic that he could not extricate himself from. So you had got him to agree to something that he didn't think he should have agreed to, or you'd outsmarted him or flustered him in some way. And so he needed a deflection technique, which is appealing to a higher power. So he would say, go ask your mother. (laughs) Number four was uh, a discipline-related one, and he would say, this is going to hurt me more than it is going to hurt you. Now, I never understood how this was actually true. How, if I was getting punished, was this going to hurt him in any meaningful way? This was just a crazy dadism. The only logic I can think about in today's context is if the punishment includes taking away TV, media, your device from your child in some way, it really does hurt you as a parent, doesn't it? So that might be the only logical explanation for this one. Number five, was money doesn't grow on trees. And this was very popular around Christmas time, my dad would say this, or also very popular around family holiday times. Also in family holiday times, very popular was don't make me turn this car around. Usually this was coupled with a glare in the rearview mirror and attempts to kind of swung backwards at us to get our attention in some way. Also very popular for my dad was standing at the top of the stairs and shouting, don't make me come down there. He never would come down, but he would shout and say, don't make me come down there. Number seven, also very popular in family holidays, was we are not lost, we are taking a scenic route. (laughs) What I realize now is that um, because of modern technology, Google Maps has probably saved my marriage more times than I can account for. And the last dadism that my dad would say was, It's more blessed to give than to receive, which again really puzzled me because he would usually say this around Christmas time, and as a kid, this made no sense to me whatsoever. How in the world could it be better if you were on? the end where you are spending time or money or effort than when you are on the end of receiving all of the good things that come from someone else spending time, money, and effort. And I realized that as a kid, you're kind of wired to look at life through a receiving point of view. But as I moved into adulthood, I think I got just a slight inkling of what my dad may have been talking about Because I think he was trying to help us understand that at the heart of growing in generosity is that when you are a person who is giving something meaningful and from your heart to another person, that there is actually something blessed happening to you as a giver. And at Christmas time especially, we're reminded a lot about generosity and generous living The event that's happening here in the event center, Basics for Babies, is just a great example of that. And generosity is one of our core values here as a church at Jericho. And we see this being lived out in the lives of people, whether it's our team that's going to Guatemala in March to distribute wheelchairs and build homes and food to people. You can see it in uh, the generosity exemplified by people here at Jericho who have banded together and sponsored a family to come from Syria. You can see it in all kinds of ways demonstrated that there is joy that comes into your life when you take a posture of giving. And when we think about the Christmas story, we almost always focus on the recipients and how they experience it. So for example, this morning, how did the shepherds experience that first Christmas? And then oftentimes we jump very quickly to ask the question, how do we experience that as recipients of God's amazing gift of his son, Jesus? But it can be helpful for us to actually pause and ask the question, what did God actually experience? in the process of being a wonderful and generous giver? What does it actually say to us about the character of God that he would be such and give us such a generous gift of his only son? What was God the Father actually experiencing in this act of radical generosity? See, as a father, I get small tastes of the joy of giving. I feel it. I see it when Something you, that you've given to someone and you've given to your child and their eyes light up. Maybe you feel that as a grandparent or an auntie or an uncle or you feel it and experience it in just a small way when you give something to maybe the food bank or a neighbor in need that something in you, there's a joy that comes in giving. And so I don't imagine for a single moment that God the Father was up in heaven spouting off a dadism and thinking about Christmas, don't make me come down there, guys. At Christmas, we see actually quite a unique window into God's heart as a father. Because so often we spend Christmas time thinking about what it's like to receive the gifts that God gives to us. But what if we shift that lens and that perspective for just a moment this morning? And instead imagine what it was like for God to actually give us the gift of Jesus. One of the lines in the play that the shepherd said this morning was, It's hard to believe that anyone actually cares about us enough to save us. See, In sending Jesus, God wasn't just talking about how much he loved us. He was acting and taking concrete and specific steps toward us to demonstrate, not just in talk, but in deed, how much he cares for us. Jesus told stories when he was here on earth that revealed to us and gave us a picture of God's heart. And one of the stories that he told was a story about how generous God is as a giver in Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus talks about those who are giving gifts to each other and particularly parents giving gifts to their children. And in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11, Jesus concludes the story about giving in this way. And he says, you know what? You actually As a sinful person, you might not even be a great parent, but you actually know what it is like and know how to give a good gift to your children. How much more then will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus came to give us a window into God's heart as a father. So what does this say? about the character of God, that he would so radically love and care for us that he would give his only son for us? Well, the first thing that it says and that Jesus reveals to us is that he's a good heavenly father. How much more will your heavenly father, your good heavenly father, give good gifts to those who ask him? See, some of us have a mental picture of God that somehow God is very angry or he's fuddy-duddy or he's distant and he's somewhere up in heaven and doesn't care about us in any way, that he's removed from what's going on in the world. But yet the picture that we get of God revealed to us in the scriptures, particularly in the life and person of Jesus, is so radically different from that. It's a picture of God who is a good heavenly father a loving and gracious and kind heavenly father. And God is a father then, a good father, that knows how to give good gifts to his children. See, if we know how to give good gifts, how much more then will the ultimate father and the ultimate giver know what we need, when we need it, and how to give it to us? I love how this is expressed in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. James says this whatever is a good and perfect gift, if you have experienced something in your life that's good and perfect, it's a gift, and it's come from a very particular place. It's come down to us from God our Father, who created all of the lights in the heavens. He never changes, He never casts a shifting shadow. He's constant. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we, out of all of creation, became his prized possession. See, everything that we have in our lives, everything in our world that's good is from a loving and good heavenly father because God is a giver of good gifts. He knows what his children need. And so when we think about God as a giver, the one who loved us enough to give us his own son, we think about then, flip the lens and think, if that's the lens of the giver, what should our lens and our response be if we look at Christmas through the eyes of us as receivers? And the question I want to leave us with today is, what does this revelation of God as a loving heavenly father, invite us to consider as our response. If God is a good God, if he is a father, a good father who loves us and he knows how to give good gifts to his children, what should our response look like? Well, our first response is It, if God has invited us and given us a gift we should embrace it. He's invited us to embrace life because just like any good father, God knows what's best for his children. He desires and wants his children to flourish. And there's a joy and a delight that he has in desiring for us to share in his joy and in his delight. God wants you to experience life and joy and forgiveness as part of his family. So what does it look like to be a part of his family? Well, we do this, we become a part of God's family by choosing to undergo the process of adoption into his eternal family. In James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, God chose to give us new birth through the word of truth, through Jesus. See, God as a loving heavenly father sent Jesus the word of truth to show us the way and to invite us into his eternal family. Jesus, that baby born in a manger, is the way and the truth and the life, and he invites us to become part of his family and experience life as it was meant to be lived. And so, friends, if you're here today and you've actually never made that choice, you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe today is the day for you. Today's your adoption day. Today's the day where you say yes to Jesus. You say yes in response to a God who loves you and cares for you. Today you say yes to the forgiveness that God desires to pour into your life, to free you from the pain and the shackles of your past, to bring healing and forgiveness. As a loving and gracious Heavenly Father. And so the question that I would have for you today is, do you want to be part of God's family? And if you do, you do that by faith. It's a simple but profound prayer that you can express a confidence of your belief and desire to receive the good gift that God has given with you. I'm going to pray together with you, and Chris and the team are going to come and lead us in songs of worship and response. And then when Chris and the team are leading us in song, we'll have people available at the back. Meg and myself will be at the back. Sylvia Nicole, will be at the back. Anne Marie will be there. And we would love to pray with you. If you've come today and you're not well physically, we'd love to pray for healing for you. If you've come today and you've got challenges that you're facing this season, this is going to be a hard weekend for you coming up. We'd love to stand with you in prayer and ask that God would give you strength and grace to face what you have to face this week.